you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and J-Mac mm-hmm. are on tap to help us navigate the show. Uh, Sweet Victory's back because Juneteenth is over. So <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing, Victory. I am just playing with you. Remember, you've got the victory. Don't squander it. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't let me make you stumble. Go back into that old world that you lived in. Sweet Victory used to be a brawler. That's not true either. I'm sorry. When people know her, they're like, that can't be true. Which you'd be surprised. I mean, some people's testimonies are like astounding. Yeah. A lot of people's testimonies I was, are astounding. I, I was good. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, man, all of well, our testimonies. But, okay. really, oh, man. I mean, yeah. you know, we were oh, all headed man. for oh, <laughs> destruction. Man. Oh, keep then. going. I deserve it. I deserve it. Keep we're going. all under the wrath of God. Amen. Then, Come on. You know, Come on. Amen. Yes. Yes, man, he did. Made us alive I in ju- Christ. Okay. <laughs> Listen, all right, oh, amen. Oh, okay, <laughs> all of us, all of us were the objects of God's wrath, yes. and that is true. I was simply trying to express that there are some of us, okay, who there is a oh man, there's no way to say it now because it's like, oh, so you didn't have a marked difference in your life? Yes, I had a marked difference in my life. But, you know, oh, I wasn't boy. a fighter like Will the Great. Oh, did I? Uh, wow. Uh, uh, oh, 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 wow. Man, See? This is not public testimony moment. Oh, my goodness. This is how we overcome. Yeah. Love the lamb, word of our testimony. And yeah. you're like, your testimony, not someone else's. You don't just stand up and tell somebody else's testimony. Anyway, all of that. It, that's what happens when your oh, jokes boy. just go off the rails. Uh, it's good to have Sweet Victory back with us. And... um she was not taking Juneteenth off, although <laughs> federal holiday she could have. Um, anyway, all right. So today's topic. Welcome to the program. We're so glad yes. that you're here. J Mac is here. Yes, he's here. Still, he's still black, and so he's here, and that's great. <laughs> if the camera oh, put goes up. His up fist. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, okay, good. See, I never know. You never know how the jokes are gonna land. You just don't know. I was gonna say if the camera cuts out, just know I made him mad. Like, don't don't click on anything because it's just J Mag just saying no, no. You don't get to have video today. Uh, so much power over there. Uh, so today, uh, just to sober up here today, we want to look at some current events. Look at what's Somebody happening. Still black. Okay. Uh, I didn't get the joke. It's just a joke. We're just we're just we're just just comfortable. Just comfortable. You know what I mean? Like you know, like not not easily offended. Like (laughs) it was in the Juneteenth line of things in the (laughs) federal holiday where you get to call in black. It just. (laughs) We had a whole show about it yesterday. It was a whole thing yesterday. (laughs) Go back to the archives. 
All right, this, but today, I blame you. I blame you. What? what? Yeah, because you do? you had to jump on the whole like we all have a testimony. Okay, uh, yes. What I have to do with <laughs> just bringing sobriety to the conversation? <laughs> Whenever you bring sobriety, you open it up for people to say, "I don't get it." I mean, you just got everybody got to laugh. Keep I'm just laughing. Saying, you, know? you know? Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. That's that's very well said. Very very well said. Amen. Um, okay, so today yes. I want to talk about. Trans regret and how trans regret is increasing in this country and glory to God, like it's a good thing. And mm-hmm. and I, I want to qualify that. You know what I mean? It's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing that there's pain associated with people's regret, but it is a good thing that eyes are opening to the reality of who who people are. Like yeah. that the the self is understanding that the self can't choose to be a different self. I don't know if you can say it that way, but uh, trans regret is increasing, but there's something I want to talk about that I think is also interesting as trans regret increases. And I expect us to see more of this. I remember talking a while back and and saying that if, if we expect to see some real change happening in our culture, it's going to come as a result of these kids mm. who have trans regret and talk about it publicly, but then also file lawsuits. And that's also happening. Yeah. There are kids mm. who are now lamenting surgeries that they've had done mm. and saying they were far too young to consent. And that was, that was the thing too. We were talking about how this stuff is happening in real time. The regret yes, is in real right. time. It's not that's like, right. Oh, 15 years later. It's like, no, <laughs> this is happening, you know, and then in real time, in real time, there, there's regret. And that's that's a powerful thing. It Man. is. It's, it's, it shows how egregious yes. this has been this attack on our kids. It shows just how how traumatic it's been for yeah. us not to be waiting 20 years, 30 years down the line. Look. And then these kids coming back. Um, you know, in their yeah. middle age and saying, I can't believe I did this to my body. It's happening in real it's time. It's happening right now. And it's yeah. also shining a spotlight on, on, on parenting. Absolutely. Oh, man. And it's like, ooh. oh, my goodness. <laughs> parenting. Now, you talk about trans regret. The trans regret is not only present in the kids, but mm-hmm. it is also present in the parents who thought at the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. that they were doing the right thing. They heard mm-hmm. the lie. Do right. you want a living son or a dead daughter? Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then they thought that they were being good parents again. And I, I want to be as sensitive as I can to a parent's mm-hmm. genuine search for information and a parent's genuine attempt to help right. their kid. Um, man, but, but man, I, I, if the you. The price to pay is high. For leaning you on know? your own understanding. Right. right. You know what I mean? Right. For, for failing to acknowledge God, for failing to retain God in all of your decision making. I think that there is a price to be paid for that. And, and even as there are some Christians who found themselves most recently becoming real comfortable with things like pronoun use and things like, you know, encouraging um, other parents to support your kid and to use preferred pronouns and and to use new names. And even this, you saw it kind of like starting to kind of like grow just a little bit right um among christians and i think right now there's a big contracting boom no it's like and it's happening suddenly and the reason i think it's happening number one i think it's a work of god's spirit i Mm. I really do i i think that the the truth you can only like keep that beach ball down for so long Mm. you know what i mean that truth will float truth Mm -hmm. will come back up and so i think what we're seeing now is the ball kind of come come back up to the surface but it also is happening as a result of all of these damaged kids 
And and I don't mean that in a figurative sense. I mean these the literal maiming of kids, like destroying kids' bodies uh, irreparably. This is, this is something that you cannot reverse. I think all of these kids coming to the front is also causing a lot of people who thought they were saying something good. They thought that they were being understanding right. or, you know, however you define progressive. And, and now even the kids are saying, no, stop. Mm. The kids are saying, no, stop. I regret that I did this. I regret that I fell into this kind of culture, into this kind of community, and nobody came to save me. And now I'm left with this harm. I'm left with this damage. And so we'll talk about that today. Uh, this this conversation is really kind of fueled by this information that there was a documentary that was set to come out in uh, AMC theaters uh, tomorrow, I think. It was tomorrow, the 21st, set to come mm-hmm. out June 21st. And um, because of a hate-filled campaign, this documentary about detransitioners, which the detransitioners are increasing. Um, but this documentary has been pulled from AMC theaters. So I'll give you a little bit of background, then we'll play a trailer from the documentary so you can kind of hear it yourself. Uh, but let me just begin here. AMC theaters canceled screenings of a documentary that showcases the experience of detransitioners following a pressure campaign by an organization called the Queer Trans Project. I'm going to say a little bit more about them. Go back to this article. This is from the Daily Mail. Um, But first, listen to this. This is the trailer. This is cut one. One night I remember having a dream that I was a boy. I felt so happy after waking up from that dream. It just felt like I was excited to be alive. And then I got up and went and looked in the mirror and just that happiness was like crushed. Based on the information that I had, that medical transition is by far the best treatment and that you are at risk for suicide if you don't follow that path, I thought I only really had one path that I could take. I became alarmed back in 2019 after I realized I was seeing more kids with gender dysphoria and every single one I referred to the gender clinic was being transitioned. So it's often said that puberty blockers are um, reversible, but the majority of children who are started on puberty blockers, over 95% go on to take cross-sex hormones. Puberty blockers cannot be considered a standalone intervention. If it worked, I'd be very open to it. It's like putting diesel in the petrol tank. There was a study looking at the Swedish population of those who had transitioned that found that those who had transitioned had suicide rates 19 times higher than population-matched controls. Puberty blockers followed by cross-sex hormones. The fact they're being offered outside of clinical trials, despite the fact there's so much unknown about long-term risk, is a scandal in and of itself. It's up to us on the left to walk this back. I want liberals to make room for gender diversity, and that includes masculine girls and feminine boys, without telling them that they need to leave their sex category because they are different. Like I said, I have to now live with what I've done. These doctors and therapists put me through this. They have no reason to except for the fact that I said it. They have no reason to except for the fact that I said it. I said that I'm born in the wrong body. And the ones that we look to as the medical professionals said, okay, let's go with that. They said, okay. Um, I was listening to another uh, news story 
from over the weekend and talking about this movie, No Way Back, and talking about the mounting number of detransitioners who um, there are attempts to silence them, but the number is growing mm. and they're they're hurt over um, not having any adults in the room is something that they are unwilling to keep quiet about. Mm. Now, I want you to think about it. And I, I we, we also grabbed some other clips. Um, there's this all across YouTube. You've got detransitioners, which I really I, I kind of feel like it's only a matter of time before YouTube uh, attempts to silence the detransitioners. There's a pattern to the detransitioners testimony that I've noticed that allows, I think this is my opinion that allows them to remain on YouTube. And it is that they, even as they are talking about their detransitioning, they still are very careful to kiss the trans ring. Do you know mm. what I mean? So mm. even as they talk about what happened to them, they are very careful, and you're going to, I think you may hear it in some of the clips we have today, they're very careful to say, um, you know, there are some people that this was good for them. This was good. But for me, it's like they've got to be very specific about what they say and how they word what harm was done to them or what they suffered or how they were influenced. Right. And I think that's the only reason that their stories get to stay. Um, but when they get to the place where they start saying, things that are more general and maybe more widespread and, and that this is bad, that this is harmful, um, or maybe they quote unquote misgender somebody in their communication, then I think their stories will be pulled down as it is now. And I think it's very wise also of these detransitioners to to be careful in how they communicate so that their stories can stay up. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's important um, not only for other kids to see these stories, uh, I think it's important for parents yes. to see these stories. I agree. Like, anyway, I just don't understand. So so getting back to this movie, this movie, No Way Back, was going to uh, play, I, I want to say it was like 27, let me get the exact number, 27 states where there was at least one theater, uh, so select cities uh, were going to play this documentary uh, in AMC theaters. The accounts of five individuals who detransitioned after going through medical treatment to attempt to change their gender. Um, this documentary also features medical professionals talking about what these kids have suffered and what youth who believe they can change their gender, what they're suffering. And after a, a pushback seems too light a word, but after bullying, after bullying, on the part of the Queer Trans Project, we'll talk about them on the other side of the break, uh, AMC theaters canceled the screening of these, of the screenings of this documentary. Mm. Um, amazing. Amazing Man. to me. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Will Edwards. Love it. Faithful father. I know who that is. Love <laughs> it. Love it and love him. Man, love this brother. Love this brother. Yes. Um, truly, genuinely the heart of a worshiper. It's it's one thing to listen to people's music and then just, you know, you hope, right? I hope that they really mean what they sing. But it's something totally different to listen to people's music and to know how much they love the Lord yeah. and the sincerity of worship. Like, ah. Oh, it's just a wonderful thing. Amen. Will Edwards, look him up, everybody. Look him <laughs> up. All right. Um, okay, back to this this article. We're talking about, uh, first of all, we're talking about trans regret growing mm. in this country, increasing among our kids. They have been let down by those tasked with protecting them. And in many of the cases that we are aware of, these kids have been let down by those who thought they were doing the right thing. Right. So you're dealing with sort of like a dual manipulation. The kids have been manipulated and then the parents have also been manipulated and then a dereliction, <laughs> your, your incompetence, if you will. That's probably mean. I don't mean it to sound mean, but um, you've got the medical professionals that you look to who at one time you thought they wouldn't let um, ideologies control their medicine, right? Like that you, mm. you would think that the culture would not control um, medicine or, or how we prescribe or how we diagnose, but that's what we've seen happen. And the casualties of that, um, the casualties have been our children. And that's unfortunate. And what you're seeing is you're seeing the culture kind of whip back. And we talked about this a while back. When you see it happening in real time, it just shows you how egregious it's been that you've got children while still children saying, I can't believe I was allowed to do this. Yeah. I can't believe I was allowed to do this. So there's some of them that are still children and then others who are young adults uh, looking back and saying they failed me. They failed me. I should have never been allowed to request. I should have never been allowed to request a double mastectomy mm. at 15. Like, Man. yeah, for a kid to say that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like at 18, 19, so to to still be in your teens and saying, yeah, I didn't know what I was asking for. I, I, I can't believe I was allowed to do that. I can't believe no one stood up as the adult in the room for me. So you've got this uh, documentary, this film. Um, uh, what is the name of the film? No Way Back. No Way Back. The Reality of Gender Affirming Care. Uh, the stories of five individuals, including medical health professionals and AMC was pressured by the queer trans project to pull it from its theaters. And so because as with many things in this culture, there's no backbone. <laughs> people, people are afraid. And so AMC did. <laughs> the queer trans project is a national group that, among other things, sends build a queer kits. Build a queer. Is that? kits okay. okay like inventors to, of evil exactly right exactly right build a queer kits to transitioning lgbtq plus individuals and these kits include things like chest chest binders and tucking tape hmm. so this organization launched an aggressive online campaign against amc theaters basically telling them if you don't, right? Like we're coming for you. And AMC theaters said, oh, please, no, don't. Please, we, <laughs> we, please don't. And the proof 
that they saw this as a campaign that they needed to launch against AMC is that they celebrated when AMC removed the documentary from its theaters. Like, Mm -hmm. so AMC says there's some controversy over whether or not it was pressure from this queer group or whether or not it was that there were low ticket sales for this documentary, (laughs) um, which unnamed sources from AMC say, um, no, it was not that. It was just we didn't just didn't have a light. There was not a lot of people interested. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I didn't stop y'all from showing things like Elemental. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bomb. Mm. Okay. Like, I, man. <laughs> okay. So getting back to this. When the film was pulled from theaters before it was uh, scheduled, tomorrow is the original release date, um, this group, this one that builds Build-A-Queer Kits, uh, celebrated. And this is what they said, quote, we did it. Our community swift action is a testament to the power of advocacy and the importance of raising our voices against harmful content. Your collective efforts have made a significant impact and the decision to pull no way back from AMC theaters is a step towards fostering a more inclusive and respectful environment. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You keep using those words. Right. <laughs> right. But I don't think You're those words inclusive. mean what you think they mean. Like, <laughs> right. like how, how do you say, how do you say we don't want your content in theaters? <laughs> so we are going to apply pressure to the theater that would show your mm-hmm. content and then celebrate inclusivity and respect. Right. Like I, that does not make any sense. Okay. So I was thinking about this, right. Um, and I was thinking about, what we've seen happen in our country. And I want to pull in some other articles. We've talked about this before, but I just kind of want to make the point here, um, especially as you see the detransitioners, as you see the increased trans regret. And there is going to be a trans lament that is going to resound in this country. It's already happening. You can already hear it, right? It is going to resound in this country. And there'll be so many people who will be looking for a rock to crawl under. And, and then there will be, there will be those of us. And I want to say this and very carefully, I think there needs to be a whole lot of grace extended, especially to parents, especially to parents who have been misled, misled by those that they believe they could trust. That is to say the medical professionals mm. who we now know, um, were just really are still because mm-hmm. we haven't seen the shift that we're looking for, but are really still in it for the money. They're still they're still in it because a a gender confused patient that you can quote unquote transition is a patient for life. Man, sad. Like, can you imagine like all of the treatments that will have to take place over the course of this individual's life? It, basically, they they will need, you know, right. they will need our care forever. And that's and that's what they're after. But but we can't talk about that because that's hateful. And 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 still, you know, it's interesting to me that these things are still happening and people are still being deplatformed because of telling the truth about these things mm-hmm. while they're happening in real time, which <laughs> which shows that this is not even about perceived compassion. This is about people kind of getting their into the same bed together and saying, let's all agree on this. Mm-hmm. And this is our messaging. And let's go forth and talk about it. So I want to play several clips here. There are many of these, these videos, but this particular detransitioner, um, her name is Jamie and she's a YouTuber. She doesn't have a lot of subscribers, which I think is really interesting. Um, but her video was, she released this video about five months ago, <clears throat> excuse me. And it's got nearly 130,000 views on YouTube. 
And in this video, she's talking about detransitioning. And, and there's some key things that she says that we went through and we wanted you to hear because these are the things that we've been talking about. But when you hear a detransitioner talk about these things, it's like, oh, wow, mm. that the kids got from certain individuals and and drew from the environment exactly what they were intended to draw from the environment. Let me just mm. say it that way. One of the things I think it's important to note about this girl is that her parents could not financially afford to medically transition her. So she was not able to get the things that she desired. And mm. you're going to hear her near the end of the video. I think it's the last clip that we're going to play. Talk about how grateful she is now that her family could not afford that because that's what she desired. But her, her parents who loved her just didn't have the money for that. Otherwise, she'd be in a position where the regret would be immense, immense. Yeah. All right. So this is Jamie. This is um, her YouTube video where she's talking about her reasons for detransitioning and even how she came to believe that she's trans. We're going to play several of these clips and then just kind of come out of them and talk a little bit. Uh, this is clip two. Hello. This is a weird video for me to make, but it's something that I've spoken about on this channel before. Um, and that is the fact that I used to believe or I used to be trans and since then I have detransitioned. This video is not intended to be transphobic. I'm just talking about my own experience and issues with the LGBT community. I was very young when I started feeling issues with my body and my self-esteem. I was maybe eight or nine when I hit puberty and it was around this time that sort of my anxiety started that um, I started feeling discomfort within myself. And when I got into high school, I fell in with sort of an LGBT friend group. In this friend group, everyone sort of aligned their identities so fully with their sexuality or their gender that I began to believe that this was like normal, that it was normal to have your sort of only personality trait being your gender or your sexuality. And this was how a lot of them like self-identified. They would be, they, I, I fully remember many of my friends saying, oh, my only personality trait is that I'm gay or whatever. And that was the way that I thought friendships and that I thought people were supposed to be, that um, we were in this sort of righteous bubble uh, that sort of defied societal conventions and when I sort of saw the idols that my friends looked up to um, people like Elliot Page or Hunter Schaefer um, I would see posts from trans people that say essentially you know I struggled with my body a lot when I was younger and then I finally realized that I was trans and I decided to fully transition i.e. like double mastectomy or um, bottom surgery and then I finally felt happy and when you're young you don't really tend to sort of assess the information that you take in you sort of see well for at least for me when I saw that information I thought to myself okay well not instantly but over time you come to think okay well that is the solution to issues with your body and issues with your femininity so I decided very very early in my life I think as soon as I was 12 or 13, that the second I turned 16 or 18 or I had raised enough money, I would 
essentially run away from home and get a double mastectomy and go on testosterone because I was non-binary and I did not feel, or I believed I was non-binary and I did not feel comfortable in sort of being feminine. Now, okay, so for if you're not watching online, then you're like, what is going on? She has chickens behind her and she's holding <laughs> a cat, okay? And whatever it takes for her to get through the video, okay? Um, but there's, there's several things that just jump out as you listen to her talk, right? So she found this, quote unquote, community to be a part of. And in this community, the highest identification was your sexuality or your gender, Mm. That that's your personality. You, you, there is nothing else about you that is worth knowing except your sexuality and your gender. This is on purpose. This this is everywhere in our culture today that will ask me about myself. What what do they lead with my pronouns? Mm. What do I what you lead with like right. how you identify right. and it's always of a sexual nature. So it's not it's not nothing else is important about you. Guys, we have created this as a culture for our kids. In this country, we have created this as a culture for our kids. So then they find themselves looking for a place for that to be normal, everyday chatter. Now, what's interesting to me is that in listening to this girl, like she she says, you know, there it just that that's that's everything. That sexual identity is everything. She talks about being impressionable, right? So you fall into this group that reinforces your own insecurities and then you're young and you're impressionable. So you then begin to believe that, wait a minute, maybe, maybe I am trans. And she says, she goes on to say in the video, I heard it so much. I heard it so much. Mm -hmm. I started to believe that maybe this is just who I am. Right. That's what's happening. (laughs) Can I, can I say at this point and, and, We've talked about this before, but to, to, to parents, can you be community for your kids? Like it's time is over for us to embrace this. Um, my kids don't want me around. I'm just going to let them go. Now I am not advocating hovering, right? I'm not saying that you need to be like, Hey, what are you, hey, what are you doing? But this idea of not being able to enjoy life with our children this has been normalized in our society for generations, right? Like that there is the, the parents kind of like you because the great divide, the great generational gap, we don't have anything in common with our kids. They'd rather be with their friends. And, and maybe there was a time, maybe there was a time where our kids hanging out with their friends or you think back to your days hanging out with your friend. It didn't it. There wasn't that much at stake. But now there's so much at stake. Yeah. There's this what we call the the contagion Mm -hmm. that is transing in groups, getting together and feeling somehow normal because you all feel the same way. You're all confused. And can I also mention you're all underdeveloped mentally like you all don't like your cognitive ability is not there like you all of you under 25. So your ability to understand long-term consequences is not fully developed, but you all get together and then all together with this inability, decide long-term things like things that you're, that you cannot easily come back from. And now we, and, and, and you add to that the push to remove all barriers 
So if the parents let the kids down, then we say we want the doctors to have the ability to be able to prescribe without the parents' permission. And then also the education system, Mm. all telling the kids something's wrong with you. We'll take the break. We'll be right back. My parents weren't even necessarily against trans people, but the whole sort of culture of LGBT, um, culture of LGBT teens is that you are in some ways misunderstood by your parents. That's sort of the way that um, you perceive yourself to be or how you perceive your relationship with your parents to be, uh, whether or not you know they're supportive or anti-trans. I know now that my parents love me no matter what, but still I would find reasons to sort of resent them and to find sort of excuses to uh, isolate myself further and further from them, probably because this is what my friends were also doing and what a lot of the people I admired went through too, like issues with their parents, which is really sad looking back on it. I mean, I'm very, very skeptical of a movement that directly or indirectly, this is a very charged sort of um it's charged vocabulary i don't intend it to be sort of criminalizing them but i'm very skeptical of a movement that sort of isolates children from their parents and makes them um question their parenting and encourage almost encourages them to step away and to sort of have a found family rather than um, cooperating with and trying to understand your already family. Mm. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Okay, so when we say they're coming <laughs> for the kids, they want to take Man. the kids away. They want to wrestle the kids away from the parents. And then they're the people who say, you're crazy. It's just a song. You're crazy. No, that's not what we're doing. We care about the trans kids. Like that's what that's. No, you're actually trying to create the trans kids. You're trying to create the trans kids to care about. You're trying to create this community and this culture that normalizes the lie that parents don't care about you, but we do. She refers to this, this, this YouTuber, Jamie, refers to this as sort of like your found family. Mm. And I don't know if you were able to really like process what she's saying there, that she fell into this community, this LG. She's talking about the LGBTQ plus community, right? Right. Where they normalize this idea that your parents don't care about you. Your parents don't understand you. You're this that family. You need to close the door on that family and you need to come and find safety in this new family. This is happening everywhere. Okay, here's another article from the Daily Mail. Dozens of Midwestern teachers met online this week and traded tips on helping trans students change gender at school without their parents' knowledge Mm -hmm. while criticizing a raft of new Republican laws on sex and identity. (laughs) So you create the trans kids and then you tell them that their parents hate them and you're their only hope. Right. 
So you nurture the trans kids, you nurture the trans confusion. And the only way that you can do that is by making an enemy out of the parents, which is why keep the parental. It a secret. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because if the parents are enemies, you know, you, you're going to have the child willing to say, okay, we can do this without telling my parents because they're hateful. They don't understand anyway. They'll never understand you. They're no, they're, we, we will use your preferred pronouns. We will give you a new name. We'll help mm. you pick a new name and we'll use that name Man. and we'll keep that a secret from your parents. Like the, the, the first line of the, of defense is the family. Yes. The parents. Right. And, and if you remove that by creating chaos and tension, by creating that, that, um, that they don't care about me, they don't, they don't understand me. Right. Or 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 you force the parents, you force the parents to lay down their God given inclination, their God given instinct to protect their children. They have to lay that down and just affirm, Mm -hmm. affirm, affirm. Either way it goes, the child loses. Yeah. Either way it goes, the child loses. Right. So the Daily Mail gained access to an online session hosted by the Midwest and Plains Equity Assistance Center, which is funded by the Department of Education. And it was attended by 30 teachers from Michigan, Iowa, Ohio, and Illinois. This article says and beyond. Okay. (laughs) In the four-hour workshop, they discussed helping trans students in the face of new laws in Republican-run states on gender, pronouns, names, parents' rights, bathroom access, and sports teams. Some teachers said they followed the rules, but others discussed being subversive. This is when the, when the teachers got together to talk about the transing of the kids. Mm-hmm. Some teachers discussed being subversive, how their personal code of ethics trumped laws. Wait, I'm, wait, wait, what? You're... <laughs> Their personal code. Your personal of code eth- of ethics trump, trump the laws. Wow. Okay. This is what's coming from the teachers. Okay, so then. so the teachers are going <laughs> well beyond this idea that we are just instructors. We we're not here to, you know, help to shape ideology and all of that. We just nope, nope, we well, are being my, advocates and allies. And that's what that's they've, what they've been, been told to, to be. be. That's exactly what they've been conditioned to be. Hmm. So their personal code of ethics trumped laws. They talked about how to hide a trans student's new name and gender from their parents. Let me give you some examples of this. Kicking off the workshop, Angel Nathan, the MAP specialist who hosted the session, said attendees would review the new laws in a bid to remedy the marginalizing effect and disrupt problematic policies. How can, how can we disrupt problematic policies? This is, this is the heart this wow. is the drive. This is the mission that teachers are on because they've been told that this is their mission. Mm. They've been told that this is what it is to be loving. This is what affirmation. This is what we need. In the discussion, the role play sessions that followed, the teachers, administrators, principals, and counselors spoke about trans students and their families in a way that would alarm many parents. Kimberly Martin, the DEI coordinator. Mm hmm. That says a lot right there. The DEI coordinator for Royal Oak Schools, which serves 5,000 K-12 students in Michigan, spoke about helping trans students keep their gender change a secret. Quote, we're working with our record keeping system so that certain screens can't be seen by parents. Man, that burns me up. 
Like they are, I mean, it's intentional. Yes, that it they're is. trying to get the parent totally out of uh, having authority. Let's hide it from them. We don't want parents to see. Like what kind of administrator? Yeah. 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 The kind that's, the kind that has that's very upsetting. their own personal very code upsetting. of ethics. Their their own personal code of ethics. Why why so so why are we why are we discussing this? Like why are we bringing this to air because parents you have to parent you have to you have to parent. So it's one thing. Well, what I don't want to do is just lament that these things are happening. This is also meant to be informative so that parents stand between their kids and this culture like in measurable ways. I'm not talking about just like, oh, well, you're not going to have my baby. And you say that and you feel good about just having said that. What I'm saying is you've got to live life with your children. Like you've, you've got to return to this active hands-on as you live life together, making much of who God is, knowing, knowing, um, registering when there's something wrong with your kid. Far too often our kids are victims because we're just too absent to register that, wait a minute, you seem a little withdrawn. Like what's going on? Like, hey, let's, can we talk? Can we go get a bite to eat? Just the, the two of us? Like, can we go and sit? Like, what, what do we need? Do we need a weekend getaway? Just us? Come on, let's, can we just go talk? Like what's going on? No, we don't, we don't do that. We say we, we trust the friend groups. Mm. And then we also have the, the additional influence of the teachers and all of their policy and all of their personal conviction. This article goes on to talk about these teachers, you know, proud of the fact that they've marched their, their serious allies. Right. And so what are, what are they going to do to subvert the parents? How are, how are they going to make sure that their personal code of ethics is known and realized by Man. the kids? This, this, <sighs> this is where we are. I want to, before we run out of time, I want to get the last clip of the YouTuber talking about how, and, and, and I don't think we played in any of the clips today, but um, she talks about how from the age of 12 to uh, 16, she was living as non-binary or genderqueer, whatever, non-binary. And she's so grateful that she did not medically transition because once she dealt with her mental health issues, she realized that actually I'm not, I'm not trans. This is clip four. It's a terrible mistake to make. And one I hope that is made a lot less often. Obviously, it's not a mistake for everyone. I'm not talking about everyone. I'm talking about the select few who are socially pushed or socially nudged into it. I'm so grateful every single day that I did not make any medical choices that would have affected me my whole life now. Because I, if I had had the choice when I was 12 or 13, I fully, fully would have believed, yes, I want to be infertile my whole life just for this. And now... Having children is like my number one goal in life. It's my biggest goal. It's, it's, it's my dream now to have children. And it breaks my heart that that could have been taken away from me if I had been encouraged just a little bit more by my parents or by, you know, the system or the NHS or anything like that. But yeah, this video has no hate towards trans people. I just want everyone to consider my own perspective and my own experience as someone who has detransitioned and having been on both sides of sort of deep, deep within the LGBT community and then having left it, having stopped being depressed, having come to a lot more happiness in my life. You know, what's interesting to me about that is that she also mentions that when she detransitioned and she made an Instagram post talking about how 
she's not trans. Like she, she was going through about with depression and just going through puberty was difficult. And, and she also says in the video, you didn't hear it here today, but just if she would have had more conversations about how awkward that phase is and how difficult it is to just grow up, yeah. that she wouldn't have been so confused. But this is what happens. This is what is called lying in wait. We exist in a society and a culture where you've got a group of vultures lying in wait for our kids as they go through puberty, as they experience all of the same awkwardness that you experienced, yet without the encouragement that, hey, you may be trans. Can you can you imagine the awkwardness that you experienced as you were growing up to have someone say, you know, because you're probably in the wrong body. But not only that, not only have someone say that, but then have like everywhere you look, people mm-hmm. echoing it. Right. Online community communities echoing it. Mm-hmm. People that your parents don't even know you're in contact with. Right. Like this is this is what we're talking about. This. So here's here's another article. And I was thinking about this because we're going to be at summer camp, the North Carolina, uh, North Carolina Refuge, uh, NC refuge.org you can check it out we're going to be doing apologetics camp and i was thinking i should have sent a sent a joke to sammy uh we need to call it humility camp (laughs) that might be too much people but like because i I read this article the university of wisconsin green bay and the university of evansville will host pride camps for middle school and high school students over the summer pride camps so summer camps camps. (sighs) okay so so (sighs) humility camps is what i'm saying Students in sixth grade and up are encouraged to, quote, build community with other LGBTQ plus and their allies at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Pride Camps. From the website, quote, Pride Camps are designed for students to socialize and learn with friends, gaining a deeper understanding of queer history, health topics and wellness. It's according to the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. The camp will take place June 27th through the 29th for high schoolers and from July 11th through the 13th for middle schoolers. Meanwhile, a similar pride camp is being held by the university of Evansville in Indiana. The camp aims to empower queer slash questioning youth and allies to discover their authentic selves and build a caring, supportive community of peers. No, this, this is just to reinforce the confusion that you've peddled. This is, this is to grow the trans community and to reinforce the confusion that you have peddled. That's, that's what this is. This is social media in the form of a camp. Now, I, I just, now here, here's the thing that is, um, is crazy to me. You, you want to take a camp whose ex- expressed focus is sex and sexuality and sexual identity. And you, wanna, you want kids all there with I guess the camp directors and the (laughs) campers and, and all of you. So, so, and I'm, you know, and the parents are like, here, take my little ones. So you, you've, you've got a little six-year-old boy. And and the reason I say six-year-old boy is because one of these camps, let me keep reading here. One of these camps um, in California, the Laurel foundation runs a camp called camp Mulberry. It's an overnight camp taking place from June 25th through July 1st. The organization describes the camp as the nation's first cost-free resident camp program, specifically for transgender and gender diverse youth ages 6 to 17. Wow. What do those age groups have in common? Like, wow. What? That, 
Man. Y'all, I'm, I, I, I want to be sober as I talk about it and not emotional. But you want to take a six-year-old boy Man. and a 17-year-old boy that's sexually confused and you want them in an overnight camp to get... Guys, this is where we live. This... But praise the Lord, as we began, <laughs> trans regret is increasing. Amen. And we're going to keep talking about it. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>